Amen. It is a beautiful music, and uh, we thank God for each of you who have come to be a part of uh, this worship experience on tonight. I was told by Brother Ed that uh, I have more time at night in the evening service than I do in the morning service. He told me that, and and uh, I said, I, you know, in my spirit, I said, I agree, because people who come in the evening, they want to be here. You know, they just, they don't mind, you know. You know, people come in the morning, you say, well, you know, I was made to come, I got to come. So, but then he said, so you can have us till 12 o'clock. And I said, oh, really? <laughs> so I said, I said, don't test me because I can do this thing. <laughs> no, it won't. I'm not going to keep you that long. But uh, uh, it's good to have my wife with me tonight. And I thank God for her being here. And thank you, Brother Bob and your wife and family and uh, the newlyweds for uh, fellowshipping this evening at lunch. I really enjoyed the time. I always enjoy coming and being a part of your worship, and uh, uh, Ron and Cindy are good friends, and we love them dearly, as you all do. And uh, I want to ask that you turn with me to uh, Genesis, the, the 37th chapter. And... Um, when you have it, say amen. When you have it, 37th chapter, amen. Don't, amen. I tell people at my church, I said, turn to Genesis 37. And it's, you know, just, you know, right, right there. I said, okay, let's try this again. You know, turn to 1 Thessalonians. He said, okay. Uh. <laughs> I said, pastor, stop giving us a hard time. <laughs> uh but it's easy, to, it's easy to find Genesis. We know where it is. Amen. Amen. Um, I want to uh, talk for a few minutes about uh, Joseph. And uh, I do this um, simply to suggest that Joseph's life is uh, probably parallel many of our lives. Our lives probably parallel Joseph's life in many ways. And... Uh, so I want to just talk for a few minutes, uh, and uh, I'm going to use a couple of chapters, several chapters in this in Genesis. So I want you to stay with me as we we talk for a few moments. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock and his brethren, and and the lad was with his sons, with the sons of Belthel and the sons of Zibahel and his father's wives, and Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Um, There's one thing that we learn about Joseph uh, from this second verse is, uh, and, and verses afterwards, that Joseph was very immature, a very immature person. Um, you know, Joseph... Um, when I was growing up, we called them tattletales. Joseph was a tattletale. Anything, you see it in second verse, he told whatever his brothers was doing. He had about, different writers would say, but he had about 11 or 12 brothers. So what, it, what his brothers was doing, he told it. And um, 
And uh, that, that can be aggravating to your siblings, couldn't it? You know, you go, don't do it in front of him, you know. You see that commercial where they do stupid stuff, and the first thing they do when they leave, somebody would say, don't tell your mom, you know. And, and, and this is what Joseph was doing. He was, he was bringing back a report to his father based on what his siblings were doing, his brothers. Um, look at verse now, Israel loved. Now, the passage shifts. Now, the passage uses the name Israel. Israel and Jacob is the same person. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all of his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably peaceably to him and Joseph dreamed a dream and he told his brethren and they hated him yet the more he said unto them here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed for behold we were binding sheaves in the field and lo my sheave arose and also stood upright and behold your sheaves stood around about and made uh, options to, to my sheaves and his brethren said unto him shalt thou indeed reign over us or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us and they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words and he dreamed yet another dream and told his brethren and said behold I have dreamed uh, a dream more and behold the sun and the moon and eleven stars made unto me and he told it unto his father and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brother indeed come to bow down over down ourselves unto thee unto the earth? And his brothers envied him, but his father observed the saying, and his brethren went and feed their flocks at Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, do not thy brother feed the flock at Shechem? Come, and, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. And he said unto him, Go and pray thee, and see whether it is well with thy brothers. In other words, go tell me what they're doing, and, uh, and will the flocks, and bring me a word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron. And he came unto Shechem, and a certain man found him, and beheld he was wandering in the field. And the man, the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They are, they are departed hence. And I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And um, Joseph went after his brethren and found them at Dothan. And when they saw him afar, even before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. Verse 23. And it came to pass when Joseph come unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph, stripped Joseph out of his coat and his coat of many colors that was on him. And they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. 
Verse 28, and it came to pass that the Midianites and the merchants, they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph to Egypt. It is not only important for us to understand that Joseph was immature, but Joseph didn't know who to talk to. I believe sometimes as Christians, we talk too much about what God is doing in our life. And then we end up telling it to the wrong people. Are you with me? Amen. Remember what I said this morning now, you know, if you don't look like you know what I'm talking about, it adds 10 more minutes. We could be here to 12, you know. Well, say amen. Amen. Come on. My point is that. Joseph did not know. Why would Joseph continue to go to someone and tell them about what God is going to do and doing in his life? And he knew they didn't like him. I believe that there's a time when we tell people things about what God is doing. That's a time when we do not. Everybody is not on the same spiritual plane or same spiritually mature as we are in God. Amen. They could easily discourage us. Look at Abraham when when Abraham, when God told Abraham, listen, Abraham, I want you to go and, and uh, sacrifice Isaac. He didn't roll over and say, yo, Sarah, listen, I'm going up here. I'm taking our only son. I just want you to know I'm taking him up. And he didn't do that. He just, he kept it between him and, and God. And he did what the Lord had him to do. I think sometimes in our Christian walk, as I said earlier, we end up talking too much about what God is doing in us and through us. Amen. And what happens is we can become persecuted by those who are not as spiritually mature as we are. That's number one. Or, and I'm not saying that they can circumvent any plan that God is doing. Or they can end up talking us out of what God wants us to do. Amen. Discourage us. Well, maybe God is not saying it. I passed a bunch of young people. And, uh, and and I'm, I'm happy about doing that. But I hear young people all the time talking, and they're easily discouraged about their faith. They easily become discouraged, and they want to give up. But it's not working out fast enough. It's not working. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, and it's not, you know, your faith and your obedience to God does not eliminate worldly repercussions. They're going to occur. Job went through a lot of worldly repercussions from the enemy. But God called him to be faithful, amen, in spite of what he was encountering from the enemy. So we have to learn that our faithfulness in God does not take a break when we go through something, when we go through mess in life. It does not take a break. So in, in this passage of scripture, we find Joseph was immature. He uh, was a tattletale, but also he talked too much about what God is doing. Let me say it this way. Joseph's encounter with God was an encounter in dreams. Whenever you see the writer talking about dreams in scripture, the Bible that, you know, Joseph then didn't have God's word like we had God's word today. You know, God often spoke in dreams. Matter of fact, in the New Testament, you know, those who, us, God's spirit dwells in us. 
during the New Testament into this present time. In the Old Testament, God's spirit dwelled upon man. It wasn't in man. Matter of fact, in the, in the garden, man was, man was created a, a trichotomous being, body, soul, and spirit. And when man was excommunicated from the garden, man became a dichotomous being, body, soul, spirit, gone. And what happened is God's spirit would dwell upon man and God will speak to man in dreams. So Bible scholars often say the dreams that, that we see in scriptures is often God's word, amen, like it is to us today. Amen. We have God's word we can read. They had dreams and God spoke to them in an audible voice. Now, don't try to transfer that into present day society because it won't work. I just, I just ate some spicy uh, Mexican food this evening. I mean, I can go home and have a dream, but it's not the same as what God is doing. So I'm not saying, okay, so when you dream, no, no, because you, you can drink the wrong thing and dream. No, that's not, that's not the same as what God is doing here. Everybody got that? Say amen if you got it. Okay, I don't want to confuse you. Well, you know, I, God spoke to me in a dream tonight, and I, no, that's not, that's not the same as what, is, what, what this passage is. So now let's look at, we see Joseph was a talented, we see Joseph was immature, but what else we see in this passage of scripture is God gave Joseph a vision, a dream of what's going to happen to him later. Now, my friend Tony Evans, I, I, you know, when I started working on this passage of scripture, um, listen to Tony Evans' broadcast, he started talking about it. And then um, another gentleman out of California started talking about it. But what I learned about this when I started investigating this passage of scripture is life is often filled with detours. And detours occur in our life. We may not like them. You know, every time I come here, I'm praying to God that when I get on I-4 that there's no accident, there's not anything, so I can get here at the time I'm supposed to be here because I don't want to experience any detours. But detours in life often come because God is doing some reconstruction or God is trying to prevent us from experiencing a calamity in our life. So he sends us through a detour. Amen. Because he's trying to develop us to help us to grow better in him. Amen. Matter of fact, Joseph was sold to Ishmaelites and he was sold off. We're going to see this in, in Genesis 39. But, but I, what I want you to understand is, I think this particular detour occurred in Joseph's life. Because Joseph, God is preparing him for something greater. That's number one. Number two, I think this particular detour occurred in Joseph's life. Because if Joseph had a, had a state with his father and his brothers, he could have ended up being a slickster just like his brothers, his fathers were. Amen. And matter of fact, the Bible says that he loved Joseph more than his other brothers. He gave him a coat of many colors. And this the coat of many colors was, was uh, given to Joseph, and Joseph was the youngest son. 
Those who know theology know that the coat of many colors should never have been given to Joseph. It's always given to the oldest son and not the youngest son. I'm the oldest son of my dad's. And I got my eye on a couple of things at home, you know. You know, and I know it ain't going to my little brother because I'm the oldest. It's not going to my sister. I'm the oldest. So I, I got my eye on a couple of things. Dad got an old car. I want, you know. Whenever that time comes, you know, I, you know, I'm going to miss him. I love him, but I'm the oldest son. There's some things that got to go through me. You got to ask me some things first. You, you understand what everybody's feeling me here. But Joseph was given these things because his daddy loved him more than the other ones. Now, and that's a parental issue. You know, there's. I'm sure, you know, I always, you know, every time I talk to my dad, I always say, you know, I'm your favorite. And then he calls my other brother's name. And I say, I'm not him. You know who I am. I'm, you know, you know and, and, and I know that we as parents, we may not articulate that verbally to our children. But there, there, there's usually one child that really sticks beside us, that really helps us in spite of what we're going through in life. It's not that we don't love all of them, but there's usually one that's always there, you know, you can count on. And what happens is his brothers put him in a pit and then sold him off into slavery. And this is where we are at Genesis 39. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt to part of us, to part of us, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian brought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph. And he was prosperous man. He was in the house of the master Egyptian. And the master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in the sight of the Lord. And he served him and made him overseer over his house and all that he had put in his hands and it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer of the house that over all that he had the Lord blessed the Egyptians house blessed Potiphar's house for Joseph's sake and the blessings of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house in the field and he lifted up all of that he had in Joseph's hand and he knew not all he had saved the bread which he did eat, and Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast his eyes upon Joseph. In other words, she cast her eyes upon Joseph, and, uh, and she said, lie with me. In other words, she wanted Joseph's body. Yeah, somebody's laughing. Who's that? Okay. <laughs> It's in the text. I'm just trying to read what the text says. <laughs> I got out the car earlier, you know, and coming into the church, and I was fixing my shirt, you know, buttoning my shirt. And, uh, you know, one of the gentlemen said, you having problems with your clothes? I says, no, my wife has just been after my body, you know. Just <laughs> See? <laughs> and it came to pass that after these things that the master wife had cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said lie with me 
But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wanted not that it was with that is with me in the house, and he had committed all that he hath in our hands, and there's none greater in his house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. Woe, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass that she spake to Joseph that day by day, asking him over, and he hearkened not to her and to lie with her and to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house and to do his business. And, uh, and there was none of the men of the house therein. And she caught him by his garment and saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass that when she told this story to her husband, Potiphar, that he was placed in prison. Let's, let's look at this section. Now, first of all, what we see in, in, in chapter 39, we see Joseph is sold into slavery, and he becomes in charge of Potiphar's house. And while in charge of Potiphar's house, he moves up in the ranks. He's in charge of, Potiphar puts him in charge of everything in the house. Joseph recognizes that. As a matter of fact, not only is he in charge of everything in the house, but the Bible constantly says that, and the Lord is with Joseph. And the Lord is, you can never lose sight of that. And the Lord allowed Joseph to prosper. You can never lose sight of that. Amen. As you mature in the Lord, God would allow you to prosper. I'm not talking about prosper with, you know, monetarily that, you know, those things come. The writer talks about seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things. I believe prosperity lies with seek ye first. All other things happens because, you know, our fellowship with him, but our pros- the key to our prosperity is seek ye first. It's not all other things. A lot of times we try to get all other things without seeking ye first. We try to get the computers, the cars, and all these material things and all that society says we need without seeking him first. We have an object, we have an obligation to seek ye first. And here Joseph recognizes his relationship with God. God allows him to prosper. The Lord is with Joseph. And the Lord has given Joseph favor in Potiphar's house. Joseph is big time. He moves from the field, amen, with his brothers persecuting him and giving him a hard time. And he's moved up to being in charge of part of his house. So he moves from people in his family that hated him, and now he's in a situation where someone lies on him. Mm, isn't that something? Have you ever been in a situation where people hate you, and then what happens is they turn around and lie on you? Let, 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 let me say this. Joseph understood something. Joseph understood that he committed this sin that sin does not just impact the person that he's involved with, but it's impact the person that he's involved with and everyone else around him. Joseph understand that. A lot of times when we're involved in sin, we think that it's just a sin. I'm not hurting anybody. No, it's not just a sin. It is a sin and you're affecting the person you're involved with and those who are around you. Sin is like a cancer. It eats and eats away, and it can ruin relationships. But Joseph also understood something else. It was not just 
not just at seeing a fix. So you notice in the passage, he talks about my, my, you know, my master's given me in charge of the whole house. He's, he's done all these things to me. I'm in charge of all this stuff. So what Joseph and Esther is saying is if I do this and if this occurs, it's going to affect everything else I have around me. That's what sin does. It affects things that around you. But Job understands something. I mean, Joseph understood something else. Joseph understood in chapter, in verse 9 of, of chapter uh, 39, Joseph understood that the sin that he commit with Potiphar's wife would be a sin against God. It affects others, but it's against God. You don't sin against your neighbor. You sin against God. Your neighbor may be affected by the sins that you do, but you sin against God. A couple of years ago, my granddaughter, she's 19, 18, 19 years old, was murdered in Texas. She was murdered by another person, another woman murdered her, killed her on, I think it was Thursday or Friday. The trial was finally completed and the person got 50 years for that murder. Um... I'm still trying to wrap my hands around the loss of a granddaughter who's 19 who had such a great life ahead of her. But this is the point that I want to make. I will be affected by that sin for the rest of my life, my wife and I, our family, because of what that one person did. Joseph will ran. The Bible talks about fleeing sexual immorality, run. And um, Joseph ran and left his coat. And when Potiphar came back and heard this word, Potiphar put Joseph in prison. Now you may say, why did Potiphar put Joseph in prison? Joseph was put in prison because his wife said that uh, Joseph had tried to sleep with her. But look at the text closely. If you understand something about theology, you realize that Potiphar, look at verse 1 of chapter 39, Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh. Potiphar was the chief executioner. When Potiphar got the word from his wife that Joseph had did what he did, Potiphar could have killed him instantly. No questions asked. But Potiphar didn't. Why? Because he knew his wife was lying. I don't know. Potiphar knew his wife. Now, he was put in prison. One person asked me in Bible study, why, did he, why was he put in prison? I said, we can't eliminate, we can't eliminate repercussions of people lying us. We can't eliminate repercussions. Our responsibility is to be faithful in the midst of the repercussion in spite of we've got to continue to serve God in spite of that. He was put in prison because Potiphar had to, had to make sure he respected his wife, but he was not, and he had to make sure he respected the political process of Pharaoh at that particular time. But he could not kill him because he knew his wife. He knew the type of wife he had. I want you to look, and we're going to close very shortly. 
Potiphar is in prison. And the Bible says, look at, uh, look at uh, chapter 40. I'm sorry. You look on down in chapter 39, you find that Potiphar is in prison. And uh, the Lord was with him. And um, chapter 39, verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed mercy and gave him favor. And sought of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed Joseph hand all of the prisoners that were in prison. In other words, here is, listen closely, here is Potiphar. He, he's in the field being persecuted by his brothers, hated by his brothers. And he's sold off into slavery and become in charge of Potiphar's house. And now he's in prison. And guess what? He's in charge of the whole prison. Awesome. Awesome thing. Awesome thing. He's another detour. And God is using that detour to prepare Joseph for something greater. So while Joseph is in prison, I'm not going to read chapter 40. I'm just going to deal with it. While Joseph was in prison, the baker and the butler was put in prison. And they was asking Joseph, could she, they had a dream. They were asking Joseph to interpret this dream. So Joseph interprets the dream for the baker and the butler, chief butler. And what happens is, they were one was killed and the other one was uh, was uh, released from prison. And what happens? Joseph tells them now. Now, when you get out, have favor on me, because I'm placed in this prison because of I haven't done anything wrong. Just have some favor on me. Just remember me. So Joseph's still in prison. He had this detour, and these guys forgot about Joseph. So Pharaoh has a dream in chapter 41. And he has this dream and he calls everybody in, calls the magicians and the sages, calls everybody in to try to interpret dream and they couldn't interpret dream. But they said, this is what they say. You know, there's an Egyptian kid that's in prison. We had a dream and they told us about it. And Pharaoh said, go get him. So Pharaoh goes to get, they go to get him and bring him to Pharaoh. And they, Pharaoh asks him about the dream, and he interprets the dream for Pharaoh. He says, Pharaoh, this is not two dreams you're having. This is one dream. And Pharaoh, you're going to have so many years of plenty. And then you're going to have so many years of famine. But it's one dream, Pharaoh. And, and Joseph explains this to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, you know, we need somebody to manage this thing and run this thing. Says, says we're going to have so many years of plenty and so many years of famine. We need to make sure that somebody manages this process so our nation can make it through the times of famine. I need a man to do this. And Pharaoh says, you the man, Joseph. Isn't that something? You the man. So listen, when he was selected by Pharaoh to do this, Joseph was in his 30s. Now guess what? God gave Joseph the dream when he was 17. This is not circumstance or happenstance. This is God's providence. God has a providence on your life 
that you may not even know of, and God is preparing you for that, you've got to pay attention. You may be in a valley now, but God is preparing you for a mountaintop. Amen? So you can't say, well, this just happened. No, it's all a part of God's providence. God is walking with you. God is doing things in you. He's working in you to work it out for his good. Matter of fact, when you look at Genesis, I think it's the 50th chapter, verse 20. And it says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Isn't that something? And guess what happens? Those same people, same brothers who persecuted Joseph, as Joseph said in his dream, he told them in a dream what was going to happen. They came to, they came to Joseph to get food for their family. And Joseph knew them. Matter of fact, when Joseph was in charge when Pharaoh put Joseph in charge, the scripture says that Joseph was given a signet ring. Amen. A signet ring is, a matter of fact, a signet ring is just like a credit card. Matter of fact, when Tamar was, you know, Jacob gave her a signet ring. It was his credit card. It was identify who he was. Amen. So Pharaoh gave Joseph a signet ring and says, Joseph, you have the authority to do whatever you need to do in the land on the behalf of our nation. You have that authority. Matter of fact, Joseph, I ride in the first chariot. I'm going to give you the second chariot. You ride in the second chariot. Joseph, when I pull up in the first chariot, everybody comes out and they bow to me and everything. And when you pull up in the second chariot, Joseph, and you get out, they're going to start bowing to you and everything. Joseph, you are the governor of this land. I'm the king, Joseph, but you're going to be the governor. And everybody in this land will do what you say do because I've given you permission to do that. You know what? I believe scripture is correct when it says it does not yet appear what we shall be. I know that that's referencing to heaven and how God's going to do his work for us in heaven. But I also believe it's down here too. Because God is still working in us. I grew up in Birmingham, Alabama. Barely made it out of high school. And uh, God blessed me to complete my doctorate degree. And also spend 20 years in the military. I grew up in Birmingham, Alabama where we ate greens and cornbread and beans and cornbread. And sometimes the only meat we saw was they would do, it was doing a backstroke in the greens. That's the only meat that we saw. Are oh, you understanding? I didn't have meat for every meal until I went in the military. I meat for every meal. I thought that when you ate fish, it was always like the little sticks, fish sticks. That's. I thought salmon came in a can. I mean, that's how you know. That's that's how they get it. You know. That's that's how. But God. <laughs> In his infinite mercy, took me out of that and brought me to where I am now. And it's all good, brother. You hear what I said? It's all good. It's all good. I think God is preparing. God, you have to know that when you woke up this morning, you pinch yourself. If you're still alive, God is preparing you for something greater. He's preparing you for something greater. Don't get disillusioned, frustrated, hard to get along with because of how people treat you on the job, how you're going through things in your life, how your wife. Don't get, don't get upset about that. Just know that God has greater for you. 
and he's preparing you and making you into what you need to be so you can represent him later on the stage of greater. Amen? God bless you. Let us stand. There may be someone here who do not know Jesus or have not accepted him as their personal Lord and Savior. I want to encourage you to come. Is there one? Is there one? Amen. God bless you.